This is Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. I think they're hilarious, so I don't want to say I want to go to the box, but, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a confrontation there that's pretty funny. I like it, but you've gone too far. Show a little class. If the glass wasn't there, would you do it? I don't think so. We get some chuckles on the bench when we look over and we see them, uh, you know, upside down on the glass. They're pretty comedic and and, uh, it's pretty funny. We simply have had enough of looking at the rear ends and their crotches. They've been more than a pain in the neck to almost every team that has played here. Smarten up. You look like jerks. They're good guys. Don't be mean. Be green. Son of a bitch. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of Green Man Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan with you for the next two hours. We'll be your guides to the week that was in the world of hockey. Yeah. We have a great show coming up, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. We got uh, some beauties right off the top. We've got an Alex Ald interview Alex coming up. Alex Ald. That's, uh, yeah, that's coming up next segment. And uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is just, he's so well polished on the air. Uh, the interview's fantastic. We got some absolute dirt. Uh, and not like filthy dirt. He didn't go into the grunge of the dirt. The grunge. It's maybe top layer soil, but I think we went down maybe a little bit. It's not quite Nirvana grunge, but it gets there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we, we've we've punctured through. We're now through the base of the soil. Um, it's I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh, it's good stuff. Some beauty stories there. Uh, and we're also talking with Scotty Walker later in the show as well. Uh, one of my favorite Canucks of all time. Just a scrapper that made good, worked his way up. Uh, incredible um, player in my mind, and uh, incredible interview as well. Just a, just a beauty, well-spoken guy. So really excited to chat with him. They threw down the gauntlet. The fans threw down the gauntlet. We got your feedback from episode one, and they said, I don't think you're going to be able to beat JT Miller and Theo Fleury. And we said, oh, I think we can. And oh, we yeah. tracked down two former Canucks. They were definitely like, they might not have been like the flashiest players. They weren't going to be all-stars, but they were fan favorites through and through. Oh, absolutely, man. And, and, that, and I think that's going to come off in, in talking with these guys as well. I mean, there's something about, um, you know, former players as opposed to current players. They can let a few more uh, stories go, let the cat out of the bag a little bit more. Uh, they don't have to be as, uh, as media trained here and there. So, uh, no, I think we're going to get some gems here. I'm pretty excited. So, one week ago was the debut of Green Man Radio. How has your life changed, Ryan? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I know you. it's a little weird that you're wearing a hat and sunglasses inside right now to hide from the paparazzi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it was tough getting here, you know, uh, using different passports and whatnot. But, uh, no, it's... Uh, you hired a driver. That was a little, that was a little weird. Eric. He's a good man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the last week was nice. Actually, I was out of town. I, I left on, uh, on Thursday morning. I took off for Palm Springs for a few days, stayed with the in-laws down there. I uh, had a great time. I have a, a four-month-old daughter, so we thought, you know what, we're, we're going to go on vacation, and we'll probably get to sleep more because it's vacation, and that is not true. Um, a baby has I bet no it's idea. Worse. Yeah. yeah, a baby has no idea what vacation is. But you've taken a child out of the comfort and the surroundings of their bed for the last four months, and you said, you know what, sleep yes. in a guest room. Yeah. Well, she's not comfortable in this bed, regardless. She lets us know that three times a night. So, um, but no, it was great. Weather was beautiful. Uh, we took a total nerd tour in the desert, learned all about sedimentary rock and San Andreas Fault. Oh. I love that stuff. So it was uh, it was great. Good times, man. So are you aware that Palm Springs, that is going to be the AHL affiliate of the Seattle expansion team? 
Yes. So, like, how now you know, like, you can go down to Palm Springs, you get some golfing, you can do some San Andreas vaulting. Mm-hmm. Is that a term? And then yeah, it is now. You in a couple of years can go to a hockey game and yeah. watch maybe even like the Canucks farm team will be there. Like, I would love to go down and watch the Seattle farm team versus the Canucks farm team, the Utica Comets. That'd be great. It's super exciting. We were talking with somebody that, uh, I don't know, he works in in oil or something. I don't know. But he was uh, saying, like, there's this really uh, rich guy that lives in Palm Springs. And, yeah, they're building, like, a 10,000-seat arena. Um, and he's he's getting behind it, and he's helping fund it. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like all systems are a go, and it's it's awesome. Like, you've been down there before. It, it's a great time. And like you it. say, some amazing golf courses. We played uh, Indian Wells. We played the Celebrity Course. There's, like, a little waterfall, like, every other hole. It's, uh, it's just beautiful down there. And when the weather's cooking, and it is right now, uh, there's nothing better. So on my side of things, I thought... I didn't you know, even ask. I'm sorry. How, no, no, no. How it's, was your few days? I'm sorry. Uh, again, as I said, you notice how you said you played the celebrity course? <laughs> the, the arrogance. <laughs> the celebrity golf course. Yeah. I can barely get my head through the door here. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to point out that, like, while well, you went and enjoyed 30-degree weather Celsius 33. for our American listeners. 33. Yeah. I chose to go the opposite <laughs> route and said, you know what? I want to freeze on my long weekend. And I spent Remembrance Day up in Shushwap Lake, and it was Cold. Wow. It was so, so cold. The relationships are all about compromise. And Kelsey will kill me if she hears this. (laughs) But she said, I really want to get away. She kept saying, I want to have a Zen weekend where we're removed. No phones, no internet, no TV. I was like, well, I kind of want to watch the Canuck game, but all right, let's get away. And we go up there. And are you you've seen the movie The Shining? Of course. It was like The Shining. It's it was a forty <laughs> but a forty unit complex right on the water. Beautiful location. It's fantastic. In the summer, it's bumping. In the winter, nobody goes there because there's nothing to do. It's yeah. very zen, in her words. Yeah. So we go up there, and there is the lonely uh, gatekeeper, innkeeper. I don't know what you'd call him. Him and his <laughs> wife, and then me and Kelsey, and then another old couple that apparently live there year round. And then everything is just dark. The lights are off. There's just nothing. Wow. It was very eerie. I felt like, like the here's Johnny. Like, yeah, yeah. Jack Nicholson's gonna smash through the door any moment. That is that is extremely creepy. It was, but Kelsey got her Zen weekend, and I made a mm-hmm. compromise. Mm-hmm. I dragged her to the sketchiest of all sketchy pubs in Shushwap called the Hub. Yeah, because they had the Canucks first Devils game on on the weekend. Nice. And I went there, and it was myself, Kelsey, three servers, and then a table of hillbillies. Yeah, who were all wearing pajamas. I'm not kidding, pajamas <laughs> at two in the afternoon. You know, but that's the dream. I don't know if it's like a hillbilly dream or or any. But that that's the dream in my mind. I mean, pajamas or like some sort of sweatpant. Well, that's what Kelsey kind of pointed out. The whole Zen weekend is like everyone up there just doesn't care. Like, yeah, because why would you? There's no one around. So whatever, do what you got to do. Yeah. So yeah, you want to go to the pub at two in the afternoon wearing full on pajamas and order a beer? You do you. Absolutely. So that's not bad. That I feel like that was a good opportunity for you. And this is going to sound a little weird, but to this is the first thing that came to mind because I would do this if I thought there was my wife to scare the hell out of her. I would just like dress like a clown randomly and like at like three in the morning and just wake her up. Because it sounds like that's the kind of <laughs> facility you're at where it's just like the scariest thing ever. And then if you were to wake up at three in the morning and just see a clown... You'd be petrified. Maybe, you know, maybe that's a better plan if you wanted to be single again. She's, yeah, she's because, probably already guaranteed that would put the icing on the cake. That's when I just jump out of like, you want to Zen weekend? Oh, I'm a clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it was a good weekend. I'm glad we did it. It was a nice little getaway. 
So uh, that happened, and then this weekend I'm heading down to L.A. because I'm going to go check out the, the Rams-Bears. So yeah. I go from cold to sunshine. That was a nice little nice little compromise. Not but bad. enough of our, our lives, because I'm sure the fans aren't tuning in for that. They want to they hear some hockey talk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a very busy week around the NHL. A lot of exciting games. The Canucks up and down a little bit. Mm-hmm. They finally snapped their losing skid with a big win over the Predators. Up until then, the goal scoring had dried up a little bit. Bill Murray at the Canucks game. I saw. Night. Yeah. Impressive. Just on the crowd. Just chilling. Just doing his thing. And amongst the people. Him yeah. and no no play for the guy who was sitting beside him. Did he pick up on that? No. The person he was there with is one of the Farley brothers. Oh, serious? Yeah, for the directors of Dumb and Dumber, like a, a bunch of movies. Something yeah. about Mary. Stuck yeah. on You. Stuck on You, a very low-key, great movie. There's, there's some gem lines in there. Um, Cher and Frankie Muniz sleeping together and Stuck on You. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, yeah. obviously, the Canucks figured out he was there, and he went into the locker room after and took a photos with, like, Bo Horvat and Brock Besser and Jake Rattana, which must have been pretty cool for them. Yeah. And then, did you see he bought what appeared to be, like, $500 in 50-50 tickets? What are you doing? Yeah, that looked like a, like a receipt from, like, the rookie dinner or something. That thing was huge. Yeah. If he... That would have been hilarious if he had a one. Oh, yeah. Maybe he did. Yeah, right? be incredible. So, yeah, I looked it up. Apparently, he's in town filming a... A new TV show with the Farley Brothers, so that'd be nice. kind of cool to check out him and them and Dave Franco. Oh yeah, Apparently I they're... think I think they were sitting in the clubs too. I think that would have been the section that that we would have been in. Yeah, they were. Yep. So we totally could have met Bill Murray if we decided to down the spandex. See, that's just one more strike in the category of why we need to make a comeback. Random Bill Murray science. I know. I'm still jealous that you got to shake Elvis Costello's hand. I went up to the washroom. I came back down. And said, hey, I just met Elvis and. uh Nicole Crawl was there. Nicole, Nicole Crawl. I, no, wait, I went to school with Nicole Crawl. It was uh, <laughs> what was her name? Shit. Allison Krauss. What? No, who's the Crawl? What's the singer? Diana Crawl. Yeah, isn't she with Costello? I don't know. I thought. I thought. It was oh, that would back ourselves into a corner because I don't know either. I thought it was yeah. Allison Krauss, Diana Crawl. Oh no, I, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I think they might have broke up or something. I either no way, idea. whoever that girl is, but I saw she wanted nothing to do with us because. Oh, okay. I got the photo with Costello and shook yeah. his hand. He was wearing his classic fedora sunglasses, yeah. head to toe in black. <laughs> I shook his hand in the green suit, and then she was just like death-eyed staring at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. I Yeah. Okay, so that's right, because I saw Costello, and then I just assumed the woman next to him, because I'm pretty sure they used to be together. Um, I could be wrong on that. I have no idea. But uh, anyways, shout out to Nicole Kroll. Um, I went to high school. Cool crawl. So, <laughs> I wonder how she's doing. Yeah, right? That name just came to mind. There you go. All right, let's jump into some hockey talk very quickly before we get to our interviews with Alex Ald and Scotty Walker. Again, as I mentioned, off the top, jam-packed week in the NHL. And a lot of the season is kind of nearing that, uh, qu- not quite quarter mark, but getting there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of teams that have really surprised and a lot of teams have disappointed. And I thought maybe it'd be fun to kind of go down the list of what is what are some of the bigger names jumping off the page in terms of disappointments and surprises this season? Yep. Ryan, I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it. So I'll, I'll throw mine out there. And I think this isn't, you know, groundbreaking because it is they are playing very well. The Islanders, my surprise cuz I thought for sure they were going to dip this year. They don't really have any stars. Like Matt Barzell's their best player and he's less than a point a game, but he is impressing to both ends of the ranks, which is very, very impressive for uh, someone in their early 20s. I mean, he's near the league lead in plus minus, which I know is kind of a glorified category, but it still does count for something. Barry Trotz is proving that he might be one of the best coaches of all time. He is able to go into any situation and turn it around to a team that and just 
it's boring hockey, unfortunately. Like, he doesn't really care about the entertainment value. He cares about picking up two points every night. So it's a commitment to team defense. It doesn't really make for exciting hockey, but it gets you near the top of the standings. And one player on the team that I'm really upset, I had him circled on all my fantasy sheets ahead of the drafts this year, and I didn't take him, and I'm kicking myself. Former Surrey Eagle star Devin Tage, the defenseman, and he's playing great. He's almost a point a game on the blue line. This guy is awesome, and he's only going to get better. Plus, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, Anders Lee coming back. They're all playing great. And then Simeon Varlamov, Varlamov, he keeps changing the way he says his last name. Yeah. Him and Thomas Grish and Nett and Varlamov wasting no time adjusting. So, Islanders, my surprise team. I've always been a big Simeon fan. Yeah. Yeah. But his last name, Varlamov and Varlamov. I'd just go with Simeon. He's like a Brazilian soccer player. You're just safer that way. Mm, yes. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, on, on my side, I mean... Uh, the Oilers, hands down, a biggest surprise for me. And then these guys, like, you know, we love to use the cliche, um, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Is that what, that's what we go with, right? Or Jekyll and Hyde? Let's go with Jekyll and Hyde. Just, Just like Semyon instead of Semyon Berlopov. <laughs> yeah, he took away the doctor. From yeah, yeah, take the doctor out. He lost the PhD. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, these guys just every year... They seem to surprise, and then they're like, oh, yeah, they're the Oilers again. Then they seem to surprise, and oh, yeah, they're the Oilers again. They're like the Cleveland Browns of the NHL. Uh, right now, they're just absolutely tearing things up. Uh, they're rocking it out uh, atop the division, of course. And uh, Miko Koskinen is easily the biggest surprise for me. Uh, coming in last year, I mean, he came, way, he came in partway through the year before they handed him the keys, and it was just like, I don't know if you should have given this guy the extension. Like, he has not proven it just yet. Uh, but seven one and one. The guy's got a goose egg in there as well. Goals against of 216. He looks fantastic. And I know we're still pretty early. I don't want to get too ahead of the, don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse here. But nonetheless, uh, Oilers looking sharp and totally my biggest surprise thus far. Biggest disappointment. This is an easy one. Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, yes, the Devils have been bad thus far. You make some fine points. Uh, but uh, T-Bay, I mean, they had the world on a string last season. And let's not you know, go near their playoff performance, of course. But these guys were unbeatable most of my uh, nights. And then you look at uh, Vasilevsky. He's allowing three goals a night right now. And, um, you know, the big thing is Nikita Kucherov. 147 points last year. He's on pace to not even hit 80 right now. He had 147 last year? Yeah. That's a fall from grace. That's a huge fall from... I mean, it's not an Aqib Tlaib-sized fall from grace. I'm just... Selfless promotion there on my Twitter. Put up a great Akib Talib tweet. Um, anyway, <laughs> the word great tweet and Akib Talib yeah. has never been in the same yeah, You're before. not wrong. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, Cooch is having a, a huge drop off. Same with everybody on that team, uh, except for JT Miller, who made it out alive. So there you go. All right. My biggest disappointment I was kind of torn between a trio of teams. You got the Stars, the Sharks, the Devils, all three teams slowly showing signs of life, maybe turning things around. Expectations were high for all three teams. The Stars being circled as potential cup favorites. I was thinking about throwing some money down at them at the beginning of the year. I didn't. I'm kind of glad. But they struggled. Now they got the defenseman Klingberg missing time with an injury. Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben, very quiet. They have started to string together some wins, but maybe it's time for another like CEO shout-out where they just get yelled at, and then that kind of turned yeah. their season around last yeah. year. I mean, they were close in the playoffs against the Blues. That, that game could have gone either way. And instead, the Blues are the ones the Stanley Cup champs. So I think Dallas can turn it around, but so far, they are my disappointment. I need to throw out a quick stat correction on that one. Not 147. I confused. I read it way too quick. I knew it was a huge amount, but it was 41 goals, 87 assists. 
So I confused the four and seven. 128 points. Still a hell of a year. <laughs> okay, yeah. And still a hell of a fall from grace. Who are we kidding? 147 points. That's like... That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... That's early 2000s, like Mario Lemieux, Yarmou Yager. Now, yeah, that's I, amazing. But, but nonetheless, still 128 points down to not even hitting 80 right now. Come be, on. Based on what we do and how dumb we are, we should have like a an error, like a, a mailbag error correction thing at the end of the show where we just list off all the mistakes we've made. Yeah, I like that. Tweet us whenever we screw up. You know what? It makes us feel good about ourselves. Let's bring that into the show. And I think that that segment should have a sponsor. You want to get your company on to sponsor our corrections and our stats? There it, it is. Shoot uh, us a note. Like a, a whiteout company? Just like, can we get yeah, Bic yeah. on board? That would be fitting. Bic? Oh, yeah. Bic would be a great sponsor. So like a whiteout our mistakes. All right. Uh, that is a potential grievance. Us making so many mistakes yeah, on the show. Ryan, wrong. it's time for your favorite segment of Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. It is the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now, you're going to hear about it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. This is the airing of grievances brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. To see which comics are on their way to the comedy club, check them out across social media at Yuck Yucks Van or online anytime at yuckyucks.com. All right, that is the theme brought to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. Ryan, I know you're fired up this week. You have you have several grievances you want to get off your chest. Mm-hmm. The uh, It seems to always come around every single year. People just are not happy with the music that's being played inside Rogers Arena. Remember there was the big petition to get the intro changed up. People didn't like where the streets have no name because of the lyrics. I want to run, I want to hide. We can't have that. It was a great Song. What is wrong with people? Nonetheless, the Canucks listened. For the last few years, they went with the individual goal songs, which is kind of cool, like a player walk-up music in baseball. I was kind of digging it, but it got horrible feedback, terrible reaction. They switched it up. Uh, and right now, they've got some Van Halen uh, talking about love, which isn't a terrible tune. They've had much worse. But I was looking it up, and there's a petition. 31 people, sorry, 3,100 people. <laughs> 31 people. 3,100 people have signed the hashtag bring back holiday uh, petition, which was a terrible song. I loved too. it. Green Day, Dude. it was, you know what? It wasn't the worst. I'm not going to say it was the worst, but here, just give me a moment here. NHL.com did a petition with a player poll. 44 people were in on it and voted. Uh, best goal song. Chicago wins with a vote. Uh, they got 18 votes in it. Nashville, the vote of five. We love the Tim McGraw down there. They do a great job. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, New York Rangers with four, Boston with three, Montreal with two, Arizona, howling for you, great tune, we've been there, it's awesome, uh, Buffalo, Colorado, Columbus, Dallas, Philly, and San Jose tied with one. Canucks are not on the ballot. They didn't even make it onto the ballot because the yeah. goal song is just not up to snuff. Yeah, because so, they don't use Holiday anymore. No. You, you're using Green Day, you're going to be even further off the ballot, I'm sorry. I'm just going to give a couple suggestions, okay? I'm just going to throw a couple things out there. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if our producer here could be, could be quick enough to, to fade up the audio here. But, I mean, if, if not, that's okay. Just play it in your head. Theater of the mind. Kids want to rock Brian Adams. We had it on the intro into this segment. Fantastic jam. You get your CanCon. It checks all the boxes. Uh, he's a beauty. Uh, okay, Def Leppard, Photograph, you hit the chorus, a great tune. Journey, Separate Ways in the chorus, another great tune. You got to go with some 80s stuff. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Been a Long Time, You Cannot Go Wrong. That should be the song right there. And uh, Rage, who, by the way, are coming back. They're playing five shows. Very exciting. Rage <laughs> Against the Machine. Are they publicist? Yeah. Bulls on Parade. 
uh, would be wicked after a puck slides past the line. So there you go. That's those, my take. Those are your grievances. It was all, it was all just kind of one big grievance all right. with multiple points. But, uh, yeah, that's my two cents. All right, my Sticking grievance with of the it. week, way hotter take. Way hotter take. <laughs> I don't like – I live in a townhouse complex. Mm-hmm. I don't like – it happened to me this morning when the recycling man takes my recycling and then places my recycling bin back in front of my garage – because in the morning, I just peel out of my garage full speed. I don't care if there's kids behind me. And today, I ran over my recycling bin. That's my grievance of the week. See, now, can I... Did he, did he also flip the bin? I hate no. it when they do that. Because then it rains. Yeah. I hate it when they flip the bin. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's it's almost like a Dairy Queen when they flip the cone. It's like it's like a magic trick. They like they make the blizzard. Yeah. Or, and then they, they, then they do like a flip of the cup. Yeah. They don't do that with the cones, do they? That's no, they do with the cones, I'm pretty sure, too. I was like, I get it. You know, just give me my blizzard. <laughs> and that is the Grievance <laughs> of the Week <laughs> brought this? to you by Yuck Yucks Vancouver. Coming up in just a few minutes, we have a great interview with Alex Ald. And at 8 o'clock, another fantastic interview with former Canuck great Scotty Walker. You're listening to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Welcome back to Green Man Radio right here on Sportsnet 650. Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. Segment number two in our second ever episode, and we have a couple of gym guests lined up. In just a few minutes, we'll hear from former Canuck goalie Alex Ald at 8 o'clock. Ryan, it's your favorite player of all time. Scotty Walker joining the program. Couldn't be more excited. I love him. I love him. Number 24 in your programs, number one in your hearts. We actually got a chance to chat with Ald earlier this week. You're about to hear that interview, and... This guy had so many cool stories, so many amazing life experiences. He was a journeyman of the NHL, played on so many different teams. We really focused on his time with the Canucks, but we also check in on when he won bronze at the World Juniors, his time in Austria. With the Canucks, though, it was almost like the peak of my fandom was the 2005 playoffs, first round against the Flames. That's when Ald really burst onto the scene in the NHL, getting a chance to shine with Dan Cloutier going down with an injury. Do you remember that series well? Oh, yeah. I remember I was there. Game seven. Uh, Marty Jelena puck squirted out onto a stick. Merrick Malik missed the check behind the net. I'll never forget it, and I'll never forgive him for that. And, I, you know, I don't know if Alex touches on it, but I'm sure it's fresh in his mind. Merrick missed that check. I blame it all on Merrick Malik. He missed the check because he is check. Oh, see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, he does do a full breakdown of how he just, just missed that puck. The ups and downs of even getting it to the extra overtime session, all of that. He shares a great story about how him almost having to wear glasses in an NHL game, which would have been hilarious. He didn't think he was going to play in that playoff series. All of a sudden, he's thrust into the spotlight. That and much more. Alex is a gem. Can't wait to hear. that. This is a supersized interview, so let's get right into it. Uh, and we are going to check in now with Alex Ald, former Canuck goalie, right here on Green Men Radio. All right, joining me now is a former Vancouver Canuck goalie, Alex Ald. Alex, thanks for joining us on Green Men Radio. Thanks for having me. I, I what an honor. Yeah, I know, right? I'm, I want to clarify, I'm not in spandex, wearing normal clothes right now. Uh, that was the terms of the, the interview. Yes, I. yeah, especially sitting down, I was worried there might be some 
bulge. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you asked Sully to not yeah. be part of this one, so I'm flying solo on this one. Uh, so I just want to jump right into your, your full career. Uh, I did a deep dive, a.k.a. I went straight to your Wikipedia page. Okay. Yeah. Let's, so, see, let's hope everything's accurate. There's some there's some gems on there. Uh, born in Alberta, raised in Ontario, played true, minor hockey true. in yes. Thunder Bay. Yeah. All right. And it says you were uh, childhood teammates with Taylor Pyatt and Patrick Sharp. Yes. Yeah. So how young are we talking here? Like right from the, uh, the jump? I, I played with Taylor since I was nine years old. Yeah. And Sharpie would have been 11 or 12. And right, could you tell right away like these guys are NHL? Yeah. Well, yeah. Something about <laughs> Pisey was always that big. Like just a man child. And he, I remember we were like nine, 10 years old scoring, scoring on slap shots from the red line, like ridiculous stuff. Right. And, and now like I, I coach 11, 12 year old kids and no one can shoot the way he could shoot back then at nine years old. Pretty crazy. Uh, he was always very gifted and, and in a lot of ways actually was the reason I think that guys in my town actually thought they could make it because his dad, Nelly Nelson played in the NHL a little bit too, before going to Europe for most of his career. So Good bloodlines there with the Pyatts. Obviously, Tom Pyatt, I played with him in the NHL as well with Montreal. But um, Taylor was so good. Sharpie was a little bit of a later bloomer, uh, being a December birthday. And he was sort of the one of our our group, our uh, 81 birth year in Thunder Bay that went to college. Most of us went to the OHL. So he was a little bit later, but always a, a high-end player. And, and, you know, you look at it now, uh, guys were drafted ahead of him to the OHL, ahead of him to the NHL, and he probably had the best career of, of all those guys. And was uh, obviously a big part of all those Blackhawks Cup wins, but the offensive player he was. I, I still remember him coming back one summer. We'd all skate together in the summer and just being blown away by his release. And I said to him, like, man, your, your shot's gotten incredible. And he's like, thanks. I've been working on it nonstop. <laughs> so he's like, so to actually hear about that from a goalie, like, that's awesome. So, yeah, that for them to put in the work. And yep. was it frustrating then? Those guys are too, you, this is an overused term in the hockey world, but the, the term man rocket, and you got two of them. <laughs> with great set, heads of hair too right both of yeah them. they got flow yeah no i mean uh sure i did all right you know what i i i met my wife in high school so i'm okay with it you know what no big deal at all 100 <laughs> percent. all right let's keep it rolling on to let's jump forward a little bit let's get to, into the world juniors yep so 2001 you remember on the world junior team they won bronze it was in russia uh, leading up to that, had you even been overseas? Uh, yes, because what you didn't see on Wikipedia was I actually lived in England for three years. All from right. the time I was one to four. So I'd been overseas, but never to Russia. So Moscow, to be specific. Um, and a very different place. And different than it would be now, I imagine. I mean, that's that's a while ago now. But it was it was bizarre. I mean, we all the teams in the tournament stayed in one hotel. Actually, the Hotel Ukraine, which is famous from, uh, I guess, the big when the tanks rolled into Moscow. That was sort of over that bridge right there. But they, um, it, I remember all the players stayed at one, and then all the parents, all the Hockey Canada parents that went, they stayed at this one. It was like a casino. There was an armed guard out front behind bulletproof glass. It was like, it was bizarre stuff. I still remember the food. The thing I remember most, how bad the food was. And how some guys like just barely ate all week. And I just think it took its toll. And and I think that that year in Moscow was one of the years where Hockey Canada realized they needed to do more. When the team went overseas, making sure that the food was really good for the players. And now they bring they bring a lot of food with them. They bring chefs and make sure that the young guys are, are eating well. Because it was like we were, we were walking to McDonald's 
and eating McDonald's after games. McDonald's and Borscht? Yeah. And they, yeah. So you know how different countries have the different McDonald's offerings? I don't think Borscht was on the menu, but there it was a little bit different for sure. But I remember like we just needed to eat. So we'd go to McDonald's. Like, it's pretty gross when you think about it. Yeah, when you're competing on, yeah. a, on the world stage. That team was pretty stacked, though. I was looking at the roster. Like Jason Spetz, Danny Heatley, Mike Camilleri. Yep. Um, it was, uh, so Spez and, and Bowmeister were both on that team and they were both sort of second year. So they were, it was like their draft year. They yeah. were, they weren't even, uh, drafted yet. So they were, they were both younger guys, but I, I think Spez made the tournament all-star team. Um, Heatley was there, Camilleri, like you said, uh, some of the other guys too, like, uh, Jamie Lundmark was a big offensive guy for us. Didn't really have the great NHL career that I think probably a lot of people thought he would have, but he, he played really well for us. And, and it was it was a lot of fun. First time getting to represent Canada on that international stage. It was it was pretty cool for sure. Uh, Rafi Torres actually scored the OT winner in, in the bronze medal game. That was a, a special moment I always look back on, and I remember just sort of that, um, I guess, release on the bench because it's a real kind of ro- roller coaster of emotions. You As Canada, Team Canada, you go to that tournament to win. Losing in the in the semifinal, it was like, man, it's, it's heartbreaking, but you got to kind of – wrap your head around it and come back to work the next day. And, and it was a lot of fun winning that game in OT. Where's the bronze medal? It's actually at home, hanging in my closet, in my house here. Uh, it was at my parents' for quite some time. And then my parents moved out of uh, the house I grew up in as, as a as a child in Thunder Bay. So they kind of had all these boxes and stuff of all the sort of childhood things from from myself and my brother and sister. And we were back one year and they are like, okay, you kind of got to take everything with you. I'm like, all right, that's something I'm going to take, not let you ship out. And I've, I've got it hanging uh, – Kind of up beside my ties. That must have been such a really nostalgia trip, though, going through that box. It was. It was a lot of uh, newspaper clippings, and and what would happen was throughout my career, like people would, people, my parents would kind of know people randomly in in the, the different teams or the different towns I'd play in, and so people would just like cut stuff out of the paper and send it to them. And some of the stuff's just like, man, I can't believe anyone thought that just because my name was mentioned in this one little place that's cut out the whole page. Some of the stuff was pretty cool though. Like uh, some of the memories, especially here in Vancouver, because both my my family and my wife, her extended family, there, there's relatives here in, in Vancouver in the lower mainland. So they would send stuff from the province and the Vancouver Sun. And I look back at some of the stuff and I'm like, man, I, I can't believe like I lived that situation or whatever, all these different things. So it was pretty interesting to go back through and all the old jerseys right from starting out at seven, eight years old to, uh, you know, all the different pro teams I played on and the minors and junior hockey. So it was pretty, pretty cool to go through that stuff. Um, a lot of those clippings is when you became a fixture on the front cover of the Vancouver Sun, the province locally in Vancouver, pretty much every day when you got your shot with the Canucks. So let's jump out of that. Uh, again, log jam, kind of goalie log jam. And it was, you kind of jump back and forth between the minors. You get a little dabble of NHL life. And then the big moment for you is 2004 playoffs. Dan Cluche goes down. You have like a dozen games of NHL experience under yeah. your belt. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, in the series, game five, six, seven, and they throw you to the Wolves. Well, what, yes. And so um, I guess it was game, uh, man, what game was it that Kluch got hurt? We're in, we're in Calgary. must have been game. game that, that was game three. Game three. Hedberg he, gets lit up in game four, and then yeah. Crawford goes so to we actually, game five. We actually won game three. Like Hedberg went in and, and played well, and, and we ended up winning that game. But so game three – Yes, that's right. So game one and two here in Vancouver, we go to Calgary, bunch of the black aces. We <laughs> hit up Cowboys the night before the game. And it's funny because so like, I mean, you're there, you never really think like, yeah, I'm going to get into action. And and for the players, like there's no situation that the players are going to have that happen. But the third goalie, here's a warning to all the third goalies out there in the playoffs. 
be careful. Um, so I go to the, and then I, I had, uh, had wore glasses and contact lenses at the time. I've since had laser eye surgery, but I was uh, wearing my glasses and I'm up in the press box. And all of a sudden uh, I get this, I get these text messages and get sort of tapped by uh, some of the media relations staff and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, you got to go down to the dressing room and maybe get dressed. They're not sure. And I'm like, oh man, and I, I touch my jacket pocket. I'm like, thank God I brought my contacts. Like I would have been sitting on the bench in glasses or blind, wow. like one or the other. Yeah. And so I was pretty, pretty lucky with that. And uh, that kind of changed my view of always being ready, being prepared. And then, you know, like you said, uh, next game we lose and then game five, day of the game, I find out I'm, I'm starting in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that was, that was crazy uh, when I look back at that. And I don't know how I, how I kept it together. I mean, I was a nervous wreck just trying to, but do what everyone thought I did and be cool and kind of stay calm in the moment. But really it was, I just didn't want to crap my pants. So, so I'm, I got, you're seven years older than I am. So like, I was kind of right in that high school age where I was all in on it. Oh, so you, six, yeah, you idolized me then. Of That's course cool. I did. Yeah. I've given you and your kids hockey cards. <laughs> if you like, I had all your hockey cards. That's awesome. Game six, Brennan Morrison, triple OT, scores the winner like was that one of the longest most grueling games you ever played in yeah and my only playoff win in my career so I, I look it's a lot of fond memory I, I remember that game pretty vividly uh I remember the fact that we got off to that great start we're up four nothing and slowly but surely the flames chip away at it and I I still believe to this day that when the flames scored to tie it 4-4 in the saddle dome in the third period that was the loudest building I'd ever experienced it the place was rocking and just I've, I've never felt noise that way and part of it probably was the nerves and just the the emotion of the moment but I felt the noise and the pounding in like in my stomach and in my chest just with how like loud it was because four nothing down they come back forcing OT and then the game just seemed to go on forever like you said, triple OT and, and Kiprasov at the other end making save after save. I, I think he had more shots than I did. I, I wasn't super busy, like three overtimes, and I think it was like 40-something shots, so nothing like nothing too crazy. Like you see some of these, like Hashik had one a couple years before. It was like 70, 70-something saves or whatever. But, but that probably tests your patience too, that you're does. just like, you got and to stay focused and you're not getting a lot of action. Absolutely, and some of the play, like, I mean, uh, Jelena, who ended up breaking all our hearts later on. Like he had actually had a breakaway in that game. Um, and so there's, there's all these moments I think back on and I'm like, man, and, but I remember like how, when Mo finally scored, just kind of like this sort of like relief and joy was kind of mixed together. But I, the, the feeling getting on the plane afterwards, I still remember the assistant coach, like Jack McElhargy was, he was pumped high-fiving everybody at the front of the plane. And we were coming back to Vancouver to play game seven. And that, and then I think once you do that, uh, once you force that game seven, I mean, you just have nothing but belief that you're going to get the job done. And it was so close, Game 7. It like, was. Game of inches. Yeah, and, and I often think back to, like, what might have been. And, and you know, to say that in round one is is kind of crazy because uh, you, you think about, you know, some of my really good friends who've gone all the way to Game 7 here with the Canucks and what might have been for them, right? Or, or all these different people you've played with over the years who've come so close to winning and haven't won. But I, I also feel like I had this weird curse in my career where it was like, I always lost in the first round to like the eventual champion or the finalist. And it was like OHL, it happened to me a couple of times. We'd, you'd lose in the first round and then you'd, you'd watch the same team for like weeks and weeks or months, keep going. And the Flames did that that year. And they went and they, I mean, in some ways you could argue they won because they scored that goal that was disallowed in Tampa uh, to win the cup. But it's, it's really difficult to 
think about what could have been not for you know for us as a team but for me as a player like would would that have changed the course of my career if I had a couple rounds because you look back and so many guys who have those those breakouts early and, and have a deep playoff run they just keep getting paid I yeah. just I instead I just kicked kept getting dealt. I yeah. just get moved around, so who hey, knows? you got to play in a lot of cool NHL cities, at least. Yeah, that's all right. Silver lining, yeah. So a few more minutes with Alex Alden, Sportsnet 650, Green Man Radio. Uh, so the trade happens. The Canucks, yeah. your part, did you see that trade coming at all, or was was it already on the wall? Uh, you know what? No, I didn't, but I looking back, I probably should have um, in a lot of ways. I, You know, that, that so that was the year. I kept, I, Kluge, I got hurt that season. I played a ton. I played over 60 games, and, and it was... That was a extreme learning experience, but also I, I don't know that I was I was quite ready for it. Um, you look now at the way teams rest goalies. Like I was, I think I played 30, 30, started thirty one of the last thirty three or something crazy like that. And that was also the year you know the Olympics where all our defensemen seemed to get hurt. Um, and and it was that was a tough year. And then that off season, I I didn't know what to expect, but. I didn't think I heard rumors about Luongo possibly. Obviously, his whole situation in Florida was was something with Mike Keenan and the contract negotiation. And even to this day, publicly, I don't think anyone really knows the true story of what went on there. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't. You hear a lot of different versions of it, but I always thought, oh, like maybe it would be Luongo and I playing here or whatever, which obviously wouldn't have been great anyway because you never would have played but yeah like I loved Vancouver and it was I wanted to be a Vancouver Canuck and, and it was it was hard to wrap my head around got off to a decent start in Florida but then things just went sideways in a hurry and it's it's so hard when you're with one organization for so long and you feel like they're developing you they believe in you like I had one co- coach my whole time with the Canucks with Mark Crawford like as the coach on the big team um, even though Brian Burke left with partway through like they've known us assume the role. So it was, there was so much continuity yeah. and sort of belief in that they believed in me, whether they did or not, you, you think, okay, they're building this player and you're coming up with them. And now all of a sudden everything's changed. And I, I, I'll never forget, like I should have realized how bad it could be when, when Mike Keenan, who made the trade in Florida as the GM, didn't even start the season as the GM. Like you look at these things and you're like, well, that's kind of means somebody's pissed off. This happened. Yeah. And yeah. They got you to replace that guy? Uh-uh. That's not going to work. And you got to feel the wrath. Yeah. All right. So I mentioned off the top the Wikipedia page. A couple more yep. questions. Wikipedia, you know you have a controversy page on your Wikipedia oh, page? I'm sure. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, we can take this out if you don't want to no, answer let's, it. Let's, I, I'm curious. I, I think I know where this is going. All right. So the Ed Bell for Alex Ald incident. Yeah. Um, so for the background on it. According to Wikipedia, you fall, hit your head, somehow Ed Belfour's involved, and then it gets swept under the rug. Yeah. Well, you know, so the the one thing I've heard, too, is that we got in a fight over ice time. Absolutely false. Uh, let's just say we were out on the road having some fun, and let's just say this. When you're behind another man and you have both your hands in his pants pockets and you're on a marble floor and someone drops a water bottle and you go down and you have no hands to put to break your fall, you're going to split open your eyebrow. Awesome. Yeah. So that that's that's that. Um, <laughs> you didn't try and bribe a cop that night with a billion dollars like the other Belfour stories I, you've heard? <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I did spend most of the night. I was at the ER getting stitches. Yeah. All right. So thanks to the trainer for coming down out of his room and taking care of me that night. And my good buddy, Brian Allen, always by my side, he he waited with me and, and – uh, came to the hospital with me and then he went back to the hotel. But it, 
yeah, that one, that one has had a lot of pretty fun, um, versions. Not that that wasn't fun until I fell, but not, uh, definitely not the way you, you want to have a, a war wound. Not many people could say they have a Wikipedia controversial page. Well, I got to go look this up now. All right. And final question for you before we get you out of here. Uh, last season you go overseas, you play in Austria, uh, the decision to do that. And what was the experience like? Well, the decision to do it, I, I couldn't get a job. So we were going into the lockout. Um, I played that year before uh, in, in Ottawa and didn't play a lot and kind of a, a similar situation in a way to the way I started my career, a lot of goalies. And, you know, Craig Anderson had this freak injury at the end of the season that year where he cut his hand open in his kitchen. And then the next day in practice, like two days before the trade deadline, I uh, I take a puck off the end of my finger, and I, I still remember Brian Murray telling me he's sitting up above at the practice rink in Canada, and he looks down and he sees me on the bench, like my my hand covered in blood, and it wasn't as bad as it looked because it was just kind of just like ripped the end of my nail off, so there was a lot of blood, but it wasn't wasn't, and he just he said he panicked. He's like, not not that he shouldn't have made the trade, but he's like, man, what if? Yeah, and we're we're sitting in a playoff spot, and he's like, so he traded for Ben Bishop uh, a day or two the next day, uh, so it was. Craig Anderson, Ben Bishop, Robin Lehner, <laughs> and myself. So I ended up watching the the playoffs as the third goalie. Robin Lehner was the fourth goalie. Uh, Andy and, and Bish playing, Anderson playing. But And then the next year, so I didn't have a contract. Going into the lockout, everyone's being fiscally responsible and not wanting to commit dollars and all those types of things. And finally, I'm like, you know what? I don't. I didn't foresee the lockout taking the whole season like it did uh, before when we, when we lost the whole year. But I needed to be playing because I didn't have it any situation where I could go play in the AHL or anything like that. I needed to be playing games and I needed to prove that I could, that I was ready for when the season started again. So made some calls and a former teammate of mine, Marty Turco, had been in uh, in Salzburg with Red Bull uh, either the year before or the year, two years before. I, I can't remember. I think it was just the season before. I talked to him and, and he he gave me a little bit of warning that they train extremely hard. Yeah. and. It's difficult to go there as a guy sort of at the end of an NHL career and feeling pretty good about yourself. And oh, you go to Europe to travel and all of a sudden all the international team breaks are on the bike two a days. Um, I lost like 30 pounds that year. I rode the Whoa. bike so much. It was crazy. It did not go well. I'll say this though. I ended the year uh, as a third goalie. And it was it was a, a kick to my ego. Like I, like I said, you go there to play and all of a sudden I've got like this uh, 19, 20 year old um, kid from uh, from Slovenia playing ahead of me. Now he he's had a great international career, my buddy Luca. But it's also like you look at it and you say, hey, like what's going on here? And so much about it was great, so much about it was awesome. But I always will say this: it was the sort of the kick out the door I needed. It was the reality, the way it was for for the family. It's tough. We're living in rural uh, Salzburg, Austria. Not a lot of English in the little community we're in but it was one of the only places the team had a flat big enough for our, my family of four to live in. And it was just like, man, like we've got a, we're getting out. Like I'm done. I'm not chasing this anymore. Uh, we've got other things in our life. And, and we sort of said, and then it's, and then it's, this leads me to the next chapter of my life. And it's like, where do we live? Where do we go? Um, for the first time in how long we're not being told where to go. And even, even in years I had choice, it was like, choosing between two two NHL cities not like okay anywhere in the world right and so that was a that was a big thing for me and my wife and and uh, we just thought hey we'd always wanted to go back to Vancouver and and always thought that maybe that would be a spot and so we said hey why not go to the most expensive place in the world sounds like a good idea beauty alex you are a, you are a gentleman thank you sir oh thanks for having me what a great interview with alex ald sully
fantastic stuff, full of stories, and he's a storyteller, right? You just like I would just wind him up and then let him go. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like past players that'll come on and they they're just they're not very well spoken. They can't articulate very well, but I mean, as much as this guy was born to wear the pads and be a goalie, he was born to be on the air. Uh, just fantastic, like you say, great storyteller, uh, beautiful, excellent, exquisite articulation. And uh, we learned some gems there that we didn't know before. I just, looking back at that World Junior run he had where they won the bronze, and he's like, we would have won gold if it wasn't for McDonald's. Which, <laughs> that's the excuse why I don't score in beer league on Saturday nights. I had one too many McDoubles the night before. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the fact that Team Canada didn't have a chef join them on the road for all those years, and it, it cost them. Yeah. He, he, did, he said he didn't want to eat the borscht. Yeah, well, that's fair. And that's you fair. You can't blame him. But they said, you know, when Mike Camilleri scarfing down six big doubles the night before a, uh, a semifinal game, probably not going to go well. I have nothing against the Russians. I am part Russian. I'm Belarusian. Um, but I would trust Grimace over a Russian chef in Moscow any day of the week. Wow. Yeah. There's my endorsement. I mean, just Grimace. Hamburglar, no way. Not he's he's always up to something. That thief. And that bird. I don't. The bird. I don't remember the bird's name. The the la- there was a female bird and she was part of the clan. <laughs> you almost said lady bird. <laughs> yeah, she, she would just walk around. She's a bird, you know. The other thing that really was cool with Alden, we touched it before the interview, was the the 2005 playoff run. The fact that he, if he just didn't by chance bring contacts to the game, yeah. and then he almost gets thrust in. Imagine the, the if that story leaked out at the time that like a goalie was playing blind, unreal in the first round of the playoffs. And he, like you said, he touched on that was kind of the closest he got to making a big cup run. That was the team because he always got traded to these teams that needed like a good goalie tandem and he was part of it. So he had his chances. And then him, the Ed Belfort story of, I still got to get to the bottom of it. He was a little cagey. He admitted that <laughs> there might have been some booze involved. He keep, he, but this whole like Belfort, Alex Ald beef, I think he kind of put it to bed. But interesting yeah. stories nonetheless. We can't thank Alex enough. That was awesome. Any story that you hear that involves Ed Belfour, whether it's true or false, alleged, and beer, uh, is usually a great story. Getting just a peek behind the curtain of what might have happened from Alex there, you know there's like 10 times more to that story. So Yeah, we'll have I'm, to do some digging. Oh, we'll be, we'll be doing some digging. Alex was great, and coming up, we have another former Canuck, Scotty Walker, joining Green Man Radio with myself, Adam, and Ryan Sullivan. That'll be just a few minutes away. You are listening to Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. Green Man Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan continues on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by PastimeSports.ca. Way behind the play, Rolnick and Scott Walker into a fight. Walker wailing away with his right hands, but Rolnick standing up there pretty well. And Roenick, you got to give him some credit for standing in there as a superstar with Scotty Walker. Yeah, Roenick doesn't scrap that off, and he's a feisty player, but he's taking a beating here from Scott Walker. Hey, welcome back to Green Men Radio. Of course, Adam Forsyth across the table. My name is Ryan Sullivan. Uh, an unreal interview there with Alex Ald. Nicely done, buddy. Uh, getting some beauty stories out of them. Got to get the dirt. Absolutely. And uh, it sounds like there's more to be had there. We're going to follow up with these Ed Bell stories. We got to get them back. Definitely. But uh, coming up next right now, I should say uh, Scotty Walker, one of my favorite Canucks. I'd say if not the favorite, but he's he's tied for first with Pavel Bure and Rick Rippon. Uh, just fantastic. 
so excited to, to speak with this guy. This is honestly, this might be one of the greatest moments in my sports broadcasting career. I'm so excited. We've met a lot of cool people over the years. We got asked to go and meet the prime minister at one point, which is insanity. Yep. And I don't think I've ever seen you nervous for an interview until now. Yeah, man. Oh, I tell you, I got the butterflies churning here. We, uh, I got the jersey on. I got my portfolio here. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Your portfolio. Um, yeah, yeah. My Scotty Walker portfolio from when I was 10 years Hold old. Hold on. Yeah. You can't hide that from me. No, no. We, we've got uh, some newspaper clippings. We, we got uh, some drawings in here. Reasons why Scotty Walker is like me when I was 10 years old. Um, so, I mean, there's quite a few parallels there. Okay. Yeah, both young, scrappy little wingers. Um, but, One uh, of you ended up in a green suit. Yeah, yeah. And so there's, there's some absolute gems uh, of Scotty Walker. You can find a few of them on YouTube. A few of them made, you know, their way out of the 90s and they're on YouTube. We're going to put one up right now, actually, on the uh, on Twitter. I just found this one. I completely forgot about it. Uh, he's fighting uh, Ken Belanger, huge heavyweight on the New York Islanders. Tries to throw him into the bench. Doesn't work. Ken Belanger chucks Scotty Walker into the bench at the end of the fight. Um, but it just goes to show. This guy was a warrior. An absolute beast. Uh, absolutely love it. So excited to have him on. And uh, this interview brought to you by the fine folks at Burrard Physiotherapy. As you know, it's getting colder in Vancouver, and the team at Burrard Physio, they are ready to help keep you active through the winter months. Whether you've been injured on the playing field or on the ice or in the gym, the team at Burrard Physiotherapy has you covered. The physiotherapists at Burrard Physio will assess and treat your injury using ex exercise. That's expertise and exercise combined there. Uh, prescription, manual therapy, IMS, laser, shockwave therapy, and more. Whatever it takes to get you feeling right, remember... You don't need to live in pain and discomfort. The knowledgeable physios at Burrard Physio will create a treatment plan to help you get you back on your feet and back moving again with no problem whatsoever. You can trust that you're in the right hands at Burrard Physiotherapy. All right, our next guest here has posted almost 400 points, over 1,100 penalty minutes, played 17 years in the bigs, the NHL, four of which with the Vancouver Canucks. He is and was one of my favorite Canucks of all time. I'm wearing the jersey. Growing up, everyone had the beret, they had the Linden, the McLean. No. I had the 2-4, uh, big Scotty Walker. Now a member of the Arizona Coyotes front office. Ladies and gentlemen, number 24 in your winning spirit programs, number one in your heart, Scotty Walker. Welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, guys, thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it is an honor. I all the other jerseys. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The, the Walkers, there weren't a ton on the shelves, yeah, because they were probably flying off, I would think. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, buddy, uh, born in Cambridge, Ontario. You play your OHL puck with Owen Sound uh, from 91 to 93. You're selected fifth round by Vancouver. Uh, what was that 1993 NHL entry draft like for you? Uh, looking back, what were some of the sweetest memories for you? Well, I think, you know, just to start off by, i got I got to let you know a little bit of um, good news is uh, actually – and this is stuff that I never thought would happen when I was a player. Uh, on December 10th this year, Owen Sound is uh, putting up a banner of me retiring, kind of like a jersey retirement. And uh, it's, it's pretty neat. And not because, obviously, I'm honored, uh, humbled. I didn't never think that that was going to be me. But I guess it kind of goes into the story of how it felt when I got drafted. So, you know, the draft that I went to the OHL, I was two years older than every kid. So I was drafted to junior at 18. So... I played at 18. I was drafted in the sixth round by Owen Sound. Played as an 18-year-old. Then played at 19, and I had a really good year. I almost got 100 points. I think it was 91 points as a defenseman in 50-something games. I missed 10 games with a separated shoulder. And then I went in the fifth round to the Vancouver Canucks and went down to the table. Still remember it like it was happening yesterday. Uh, George McPhee was there. 
um, you know, George, at least I was looking closer in his eyes. And then I just remember getting my hand swallowed up by big Pat Quinn. And I just remember thinking to myself now, not so much then, but now I look back, I was thinking when he shook my hand, he looked down at me and I'm sure he's like, what did you just drafted me this guy on defense? But Hey, long story short is he uh, was one of the first guys to give me a chance to play in the NHL and called me up to play right wing and never looked back really after that. So defenseman to a forward, and you got to battle out in the minors. Hamilton, then Syracuse. Can you briefly describe what is the ascent, the climb to making the NHL once you're a member of the Canucks? Well, I think that's it's such an important story because I think nowadays, and, and, and maybe even back then, but kids just thought they would just go right from junior, get a lot of points, go to the NHL, get a lot of points, and it, it just works out perfectly. But like you said, I was an offensive defenseman that played fairly hard, but that wasn't all my game my game was more offensive than it was anything and I ended up making it to the NHL through basically a sure you know determination but really just want I wanted to play no matter what if they asked me to fill the water bottles or uh, you know told me that I was going to be the 13th forward whatever it was I was going to do it and uh, uh, it's not that you don't have those players nowadays it's just it's it's the kids see themselves as Connor McDavid or Alex Ovechkin or you know, Eric Carlson or uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, like they see them, they, they only associate with the top five or 10% of the league. And I think it's a lot easier hole to fill in the, you know, 90% of the league is guys that just spend a career being obviously really good hockey players, but they, they spend most of their time just working hard and being a good teammate. So it's uh it's a tough way to make a living. Like my first years there, I, in the minors, I had over two or 300 minutes every year, and it wasn't like I was picky on who I was fighting. I fought guys way tougher than me. I fought guys that probably weren't as tough as me. So, I, you know, in, inside and outside my weight class, and uh, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It's, uh, it's a tough job. And then when I went to the NHL, same thing. I got lots of games where I got beat up and lots of games I did a good job, but uh, I figured I'd try to do whatever I could for the team, but also uh, – somewhat be entertaining you know you wanted to make sure you had a little spot in uh, the fans heart because you knew if you could win them over it's going to make it awfully tough for a team to uh, move you or or you know send you down or get rid of you so tried whatever I could and uh, unfortunately or fortunately it uh, the expansion draft came and I got picked up in that and, and then as the kind of story goes I kind of got to develop into more of a player that I thought I, I could be but I still enjoyed the fighting part. Well, you went over this fan's heart, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see it that way, too. There were kind of two ways to, to make it to the league back then. You could be a scrapper, you could fight for minutes and uh, fight for your guys, or you could be the guy that goes out there, you know, with the beret legs and the, and the sweet curve and, you know, putting points on the board all the time. So, um, but, uh, yeah, you, you made it through. You, you did a fantastic job. And now, speaking of those uh, scraps, I've got to ask here, uh, ironically, this is the team you now work for in the Arizona Coyotes, but... Uh, one of the greatest moments in Canucks history, in my mind, you you might see it a little differently, but 1998, you're playing the Coyotes. There's a skirmish behind the net. Norm McIver holds your hands behind your back while Michelle Petit gets in a few free shots. Then you shake free, and the pit bull was on the loose. You track down Petit, and you got even in a hurry. Uh, I remember you got, you got bloodied up pretty good that day, uh, but uh, can you recreate that two-minute span and just what was going through your mind? Uh, just take you back a quick second about that fight, though. Michelle Petit, uh, I don't know if you remember, we played an exhibition game against Calgary in Hamilton. Uh, I think it was my first year. Uh, we played in the Cops Coliseum where our farm team was. 
And uh, that was a pretty crazy night. We had a bench clearing brawl in between intermissions. I think it was Antosky or one of those guys skated down their end, and, uh, started a big fight with Sandy McCarthy, and I ended up fighting uh, Michelle Petit. Uh, I ended up going through the glass in that game when I went to hit a guy. I had a shower between, and, and then after the game, Pat Quinn sent me down, but he said, hey, you left, <laughs> left a great impression. But I beat up Michelle Petit pretty good in that game sometime. I don't know exactly was during that brawl or during a fight in the game. Um, and I assume it meant more to him than me because I just got sent down just thinking, well, I'm, I'm going down. But uh, somehow he must have remembered it because long, long story short is later on in our career, he kind of looked like he targeted me in that little uh, melee. And he definitely got some good punches in while he's being held and when I shook free, you know, obviously the story goes is uh, got loose and got the better of him. And, you know, I always watch it thinking, like, when was I ever going to stop hitting him when I was down? Like, it was scary to think about it because the ref doesn't come in there. I'm not sure I would have stopped hitting him. Uh, it was, you know, warranted, though. I mean, I was extremely upset. Uh, face was full of blood and dangerous situation. Um, but other than that, then we, I think, played like two or three nights later in Arizona in Phoenix back then, uh, downtown and did an interview. And I remember Mike was the, the coach and he told me, Hey, make sure you're careful what you say. I don't care what you do, but <laughs> what you do on the ice, but make sure you're careful what you say because you can get in big trouble. So we downplayed it, but it didn't take long for things to get crazy again. And I ended up having a, another pretty good tilt with them. I think, uh, hurt them a little bit and, uh, uh, got kicked out of that game. So it was, uh, <laughs> I know it's not as glorious as people think, but sometimes retribution is uh, some of the best things you can do in, in life. And felt like I was taken advantage of, and uh, I got a chance to uh, pay back twice. Yeah, man, I will never forget those two minutes. Uh, so happy that somebody saved him on YouTube. And for those that don't remember, we posted the video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thegreenmen2, because there was a fake that beat us to Greenmen 1. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, man, just an unbelievable tilt. You were always the rough and tumble guy, and one guy who really appreciated your playing style was Mike Keenan. What was it like playing for the legendary coach? Was any <laughs> any war stories in the locker room? Uh, you know, I don't spend a lot of time on him because uh, I played so many good coaches. Like that's the one thing I was blessed with over my career. Like I played started with Pat Quinn, uh, then I went to you know Rick Lee and Tom Rennie, and then I went to Barry Trotz, Peter Laviolette, Paul Maurice. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux, like it's, you know, I don't know there's a who's who of coaching as those, you know, Peter Laviolette, uh, Pat Quinn, Mike Keenan, um, Barry Trotz and Paul Maurice. Like, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't have been more fortunate. And then, you know, I went right into coaching after I got done and ownership of a junior team and it served me well having all them. And even Mike, you know, Mike Keenan, like his practices were something I really learned from. So, uh, you know, brought a little bit of all those guys. Um, but I'm thrilled to be able to have called all those guys my my coaches for sure. Yeah, that's a heck of a resume, man. Your your LinkedIn game is strong, my friend. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you know, before we uh, jump to the next point here, um, another little feather you can stick in your cap. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, to start the 1998 NHL season, you scored the first goal in the league that year. <laughs> well, uh, actually, it was scored the first goal outside of North America, so it's actually that's true. The there you go. Fame. It's Nike Hall of Fame. They got the puck there. I scored three all year, I think. So timing's everything. It's, it's hey. when you score them, not how you or how many you get. So not a <laughs> lot of Canucks can that, say they're it there. Exciting. It was against uh, Anaheim. I think it was against Guy Hubert. I think. Uh, 
and I'm not so sure. I think my whole time in Vancouver, I, I, you guys would know the stats, but I don't think I had much more than maybe six, seven goals today. And I think two or three of them were against Guy Bear. So I needed him to stay in the league longer to, to keep my my point streak up. But uh, no, that's that's a fun tidbit. I uh, go down to the Hall of Fame once in a while, like obviously with the kids and when we're in town, and I try to find the puck, not always out on display, but uh, it's fun. Definitely a good trivia question. You're right. Oh, yeah, man. No, that's uh, that's good stuff there. Not a lot of Canucks can say they've got something in the Hall of Fame. So uh, <laughs> there you go. And Okay, so now you uh, you leave Vancouver. You get uh, picked up in the expansion draft by the Predators. And uh, I, I, I have to ask, is that day, by the way, one of the worst of my life, being a huge Scotty Walker fan? Uh, now, I've got to ask, I highly, highly doubt you remember this through your 17-year career. Um, but I sent you the PDF. I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at it. Um, when I was 10 years old, I created this Scotty Walker portfolio, if you will, consisting of newspaper clippings, little drawings, reasons I was like Scotty Walker, playing with my little minor league team. Uh, you come to town with the Preds. You get a penalty near the end of the period. I'm sitting right next to the box. I ask for an autograph, and I get the big N.O. because you didn't want to get in trouble with the coach looking over. <laughs> And so yeah. I, I, I ran up because it was the end of the period and I uh, told my brother I had uh, a piece of salt in my eye from the popcorn, but I was, I was wailing like a baby. And then I uh, came back down and I, I found the portfolio to start the period with a Scotty Walker signature. Uh, one of the greatest things ever. I was just wondering, am, am I the first uh, to cry over a Scotty Walker autograph or were there others out there like me? Yeah, well, I don't know. I didn't uh, didn't have too many crying over my autograph, I can tell you. And, and to be honest with you, I don't sure. It might have been the only time I turned it down because I didn't get off that much. But it's hard to do during the play or, or during the game. But uh, it's uh, it's uh, always fun, you know. You, you run into some young people, especially when you're spending your time in you know, Nashville when I started. Uh, I think I was there eight years. So I you know, remember when I left there, same thing. I had pictures say every year you do the fan appreciation and I took a picture with a girl or, or a boy, a young boy, like, you know, two, three, four. And by the time I had left, I'd done the same picture and, and the mom and dad would have it. And, and, and then funny enough, me and my wife went back to an alumni thing in Nashville and the girl who checked us in at the hotel knew that I was coming and she wanted to check us in. And she was that girl who I'd had like oh, eight cool. consecutive years of pictures of her from, I don't even know. I want to say it was like two or three or even a baby. And by the time I left, she's eight years old. And, and then you see her back again, you know, 15 years later and she still remembers you and chit chat. So, you know, that's the stuff that, uh, you know, makes it worthwhile. I mean, trust me, we all play cause it's our job and it's our career. Um, but when you can hopefully, you know, leave something with somebody a, a young person uh, a work ethic uh, a type of person you are to impact them and trust me there's enough things that we can do like you said to negatively impact them when you don't have chance to take time for a picture or an autograph that's why it's so important to try to take the time to do them because there are going to be times where you just don't get a chance and you may actually impact somebody saying oh that person is not a very good person so uh, I always tried to stop, take the time, no different than the, the guys do nowadays. I see them out in social media doing the best they can. Buddy, such a great lesson. And, uh, I mean, you know, I've, through the days, I got the Bobby Hull or Guy Lafleur, Gretzky autograph. I cherish the hell out of this. The Scotty fact that Sully's held on to this autograph for 20-plus years, that's a statement <laughs> to your character there, Scotty. Absolutely, man. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> well, it might be the only one out there. I'm glad yeah. you a picture. I can show my kids. You know, my daughter often tells me, you know, you're, 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 nobody knows you anymore, Dad. Like, nobody cares. <laughs> she couldn't be more <laughs> wrong, my friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, I should get her on the phone call. <laughs> yeah. uh, I had a few more questions I want to get in, but we're running a little bit short of time. So uh, okay. we'll uh, sum up here. Uh, you went from coaching. Uh, and now you you know you win bronze with Canada at uh, Pyeongchang last year. Congrats again there. Uh, you're back with the Canucks for a little bit. Now you're the special assistant to the GM of the Coyotes. You are 46 years of age. Coyotes GM John Chaika is 30. We're curious. How often does this man show his age? Do you ever catch him playing Fortnite or uh, searching for Pokemon in his office? No. <laughs> well, I'll just uh, two, two things on that. I'll, I'll be quick because I know you're running out of time, but. My time in uh, Vancouver was amazing. Like, I know that, you know, when you leave an organization, people always want to take shots at you. Like, oh, glad he left, or he didn't want to be here. That that couldn't have been further from the truth. I loved my time there and and absolutely loved it. And uh, I told Jim and John that. uh, I said, if anybody questions whether I liked working here or not, you just please have them call me. Um, But, ultimately no different than when you're a player you want to move up and to be honest with you Stan Smeal has been you know he was there as a coach for me in the minors he was there in the NHL he's a humongous mentor of mine I love the man uh and Ryan Johnson who is unbelievable good friends of a friend of my teammate for eight years Greg Johnson um both were in jobs that I don't want to tell you I wanted their jobs but they were higher up and I would never have even attempted or thought about their jobs in that organization is how highly I thought of them. But so to move up and to into their kind of jobs, I had to move on. And I got a chance to move on with John and the Arizona Coyotes. And uh, it's the same. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's new. It's, it, but, but I just want people to understand that I had no problems. I think I worked my tail off for the Vancouver Knocks and helped right to the last day um, through the draft. Uh, I think I had some impact on some players we drafted and definitely had some impact, I hope, on players we, you know, during my time in development. But John doesn't show his age as much as you'd think. He, John Jake is a, one of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, thinks about the game. Uh, I don't want to say a lot different than I do. It's just different, right? He's teaching me stuff on analytics, um, and I'm hoping I'm trying to help him out on the mindset of some of the players and, and what they go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, when they're having a good year, a bad year, or getting older, or when they're younger and, and finding ways in their role, so it's not uh, it's not much different than any other relationship. It's just uh, I never really even think of his age because, to be honest with you, and this is going to be terrible to say, but I feel like I'm 30 still. You know, I I still try to be young and feel young, but uh, every time you mention I'm 46, I realize I'm getting closer <laughs> to my retirement age than I am as young as I feel or, or think I am, but uh, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a great adventure. I love learning. I, I love to push myself. Uh, I don't know how long I'll do it for. There could be days I might get back into coaching. There could be days I do anything, but I'm absolutely thrilled to be doing what I, I'm doing now. I was absolutely thrilled for the Vancouver Canucks to give me a chance. And I still trust me, watch with one eye and see all the great things that all their players are doing the Gadets, the McEwens, the Breeze Bois, the Bo Horvat was in junior when I was here. I coached him at the World Juniors. Uh, you know, like it's just so much fun. Uh, you know, Petey's doing spectacular. Demko uh, and Quinn Hughes. I obviously spent my last year there watching him. I didn't. You don't have to develop 
these players. They're they're great hockey players, but you know you're a part of them watching them after their draft year and and you're spending time with them. That's more mental how they're doing mentally. Uh, I don't think you have to spend a ton of time developing their skill or their game, um, but it but it's just being there and being a, a face to maybe lean or shoulder to lean on when things are bad or, or, or somebody there to chat about things that are going great in their life and not, not a dad, not an agent, not the GM of the Vancouver Canucks, just as an ex-player that's there with their best interest at heart. And uh, so, like I said, I had a great time there. Love to have nothing but great memories. And like I always say, once a Canuck, always a Canuck. And now I'm an Arizona Coyote and I'm, I'm going to try and do my best there and absolutely loving it. It kills me that we got to head to break because I am absolutely loving this. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Scotty Walker, for taking the time, buddy. Thanks a uh, lot, bud. An absolute thrill, man. And and best of luck in all your endeavors, everything that you do, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on again soon. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, and uh, enjoy, and good luck every game this year except for the Arizona game. Of course. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Appreciate see it, buddy. See you guys. Bye. Thanks again to Berard Physio for sponsoring that great interview with Scotty Walker. That was a lot of fun. Yes, a guy that's no question needed quite a bit of physio in his life. Uh, man, unreal. Like, it's just, it's just crazy to see. Like, talking to him, you just get a sense of, like, the old NHL. A guy like Scotty Walker, as much as I love him, and, and he would attest to this. I mean, he kind of alluded to it. I don't think that he would survive. He wouldn't make it in this new NHL that's all about speed and goals. But you could make it if you took that rough-and-tumble route. Um, you know, and that's the decision that he made and worked out beautifully for him. 17-year career. I didn't know he was a defenseman in the OHL. Yeah, that, and insane. Yeah, drafted as a defenseman. And then Pat Quinn's like, no, nah, we're going to make you a, a right winger, <laughs> which I love. Great stories. We struck gold this episode. Two for two on both former Canucks being like very articulate, great storytellers. Unreal. Like, again, wind them up, turn them loose. Absolutely, man. He yeah, was great. It was gorgeous. And... Again, now I, I didn't know you hid this from me, this portfolio of yours. And <laughs> yeah. that's pretty cool. Scotty Walker. It's a gem. Like, is that burned in your memory completely that you just went down to the penalty box? Like, were you just freaking out when you got that autograph? I, I was losing my mind. That that made my year. That made the 90s for me right there. Uh, getting the Scotty Walker, John Hancock. Um, but yeah, I remember I told my brother, I'm like, I, I got salt in my eye. And I like and I ran up and I was I was whimpering, I was bawling. Um, but then to come back down and find that thing signed just sitting there was unreal. So just that, a total that's gentleman. how it went down is you left the portfolio behind. I left it on the edge of the glass, Yeah, like on the ledge. And then I ran up, I came back down, and then, uh, you know, he had signed it up, I guess, before he took off out of the box. And cool. uh, Yeah, just to- total cool story. Uh, amazing guy. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of everybody always says, like, they have the, like, the original, uh, you know, big names for the Canucks. Oh, yeah, my favorite was Burray. Oh, I love Linden. But it's these like you know these little guys, these little scrappers that just tried to make the roster. They leave huge impressions. Mine was Brandon Reed. Yeah, Brandon Reed. <laughs> I've just made that up. Okay. Well, he had a couple <laughs> good games, you know. Yeah. Come on now. They're actually, legit. Like a guy, not, Walker was better than this player that I'm about to throw out. But in that vein, I was a huge Steve Korea fan because nice. one of my first ever games I went to, he got a hat trick against the Washington Capitals. I'm like, All right, he's my favorite player now. Yeah, hey, I agree, man. Steve Korea was awesome. I kind of liked Fedor Fedorov a little, even though um, apparently off the ice he was a total, you know, uh, we'll, he, was, we'll he was a get, bit of a, we'll get of a the handful. X on and, yeah, we'll get the X <laughs> yeah. on to share that story. But, uh, but yeah, man, Scotty Walker, an absolute gem in my top three with uh, Patville and uh, Rick Rippon. I mean, really, Scotty Walker was the Rick Rippon of the 90s. Just a, a young guy, light guy uh, that scrapped his way to the top. 
We cannot thank Scotty enough for joining us on Green Man Radio. We still have half an hour left on this thing. We're going to turn it over to you guys. We want some Twitter questions. Hit us up at the Green Men, at Adam Forsythe, and at Sullivan Cooper on Twitter. We are taking your questions next segment right here on Green Man Radio on Sportsnet 650. We now return to Green Men Radio with Adam Forsyth and Ryan Sullivan on Sportsnet 650. Brought to you by Pastime Sports and Games. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Final half hour of Green Man Radio. Welcome back. You got it locked to Sportsnet 650. I'm Adam Forsyth, joined across the table from Ryan Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully and Force at the helm. A couple of big interviews in the books. Alex Ald and Scott Walker joining us earlier on the show. And a couple of fantastic interviews with a couple of fantastic former Canucks. And we're rolling. So for this segment, uh, as we do every week on Green Man Radio, we turn over the last half hour to you guys. Hit us up on our Facebook page. It's what is that again, Ryan? On the Facebook, it's facebook.com slash the Green Men two. The number two. The number two. All right. So hit us up on uh Facebook if you want to throw some questions our way. Or it's probably much easier these days on Twitter. Our handles at the Green Men, at Adam Forsyth, and at Sulla Vancouver. Throw us your questions. We will try to get them on air as soon as possible. No question too dumb for two idiots in green spandex, I assure you. There might be some dumb ones. There'll probably be some dumb ones. We'll air them, but they, you know, don't say that they won't be dumb. Oh, okay. Come on now. That's true. All right, so there you go. <laughs> Hit us up, get some questions. They're already pouring in. Let's get to them right now with our final segment of the night, the Twitter Q&A. Ryan, uh, what do you got for us, buddy? What, what are you looking at? Uh, let's start things out. Uh, well, here we go. At Daryl Belly's. Uh, what is your greatest sports broadcasting moment? Well, you might have just heard mine uh, talking with the Scott Walker, but uh, no, let's switch it up. Um, so here's, here's an awesome story that I love. Uh, I was at BCIT, and uh, I went to a Canucks practice. It was uh, They were actually playing the Blackhawks in the playoffs there, and uh, Scott Oak was there, the legendary Scott Oak. And uh, I, I did a quick interview with him, got his thoughts on the series, stuff like that, and we're walking away. We're in the tunnel there, and... Um, and he's on the phone with one hand, and he has rolled up papers in his other hand. So he's making a fist around these rolled up papers. And I was, like, so nervous. I'm like, Scott Oak, it's Scott Oak. And so I just wanted to say one more thing. I'm like, hey, hey, sorry. And, like, he's on the phone, and I was being rude. I was like, hey, I just want to say thanks again. really appreciate it. And, like, he just kind of, like, leaned back and, like, put his hand out with the rolled papers. And I actually reached out, and I grabbed his fist that was holding the papers, and I shook it like it was a handshake. It was and like an Olympic relay race. You're grabbing yeah, the, the baton. Yeah. They got the baton. Yeah. He gave me the the weirdest look ever. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure that I now have to stay with like away at least hundred yards away from Scott Oak. It was the it was the most awkward handshake you've ever seen in your life. Pretty good. Yeah. So this is generic. It doesn't have to be like Green Man related. It's kind of sports broadcasting. I'm trying to think of mine. Uh uh, you know, I'll make it Green Man related because I love sharing this story with friends over beers of our trip to Nashville. Yep. Green Man, was, that was what it really took off. Don Cherry and Glenn Healy had kind of ripped us apart on air. And we go to the Canuck game. That was the game that Ryan Kessler dominated. Mm-hmm. And after the game, we go to the world-famous Tootsies. And all the sports broadcasters and media are kind of pouring in. And Jim Houston kind of picks us out of the crowd, which is really cool. We weren't wearing the suits, obviously. 
And he goes, I need you guys to come with me and meet somebody. All right, obviously, you're not going to say no to Jim Houston. He's a broadcasting legend. Totally. So he brings us over to the end of the bar, and it is Glenn Healy. And, I mean, we were in one as well. We, we, were, we were several deep, but he was also oh, yeah. enjoying his time in Nashville. He was pretty greased. And immediately we said, hey, Glenn, what's up? Heard you ripped us on air the other night. He said, oh, boys, you know, that's just a character. I got to do it. I love you. I love you, youngins. Yeah. And <laughs> So, he, yeah, definitely emphasize. This is, this is post-Healy rant, which became pretty famous. Mm-hmm. It's in our intro. It is. And, um, the Green, Man in, Green Man Radio intro. Yeah, and everybody is up in arms. Man, Glenn Haley, he, he hates the Green Men. Oh, my gosh. And then the first time we ever speak to him, I love you guys. I was just joking around. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he got this country accent from. <laughs> it's in, it was in Tootsie. He was feeling good. Yeah, yeah. You're in the moment. Just takes over. That's, that's a good one. I like that. That was a fine moment. See, I respected that he apologized, looked us in the eye. What I questioned, and I remember it, even though it was, what, nine years, almost nine years later, very odd, his drink of choice. Do you yeah. remember? His it drink? A, it was a cranberry vodka soda. Ah. Well. It's yeah. delicious. You get the night started a little lighter, right? Or that's yeah, that, I don't that, know that, was, that, that was the nightcap. Night. <laughs> I, I, we love you, Glenn. I, I mean... Yeah. Like I said, you're in the intro of our show. Uh, that is my greatest sports broadcasting moment, which I guess is kind of sad if you look at it. The other one, actually, I'll, I'll quickly throw out there, too, is just finding out that I got to work for uh, essentially Hockey Canada for the 2010 Olympics and getting that acceptance letter. I remember exactly where it was. I was on a golf course, and I got the email and said, yeah, you got to go work and watch all the Olympic hockey games. So that was really cool. Yeah, not bad. All right, next one. Good Let's choice. go with at Miss. Kelsey Bryant, if you could watch one Canuck from all time hit the ice again for one night only, who would it be, Ryan? Ooh, wow. I think I know your answer, but I'm going to see. Gonna yeah, see yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I would say Scotty Walker in a heartbeat. Love the guy. Uh, I'm such a huge fan. Um, but to see Pavel Bray strap him on again would be incredible. But you know what? And, uh, and I've referenced these three guys. They're my top three Canucks of all time. But sure. the late Rick Rippon. Um, just an absolute warrior out there and uh, such a beast every night. I remember there was one shift. There was in the series they lost to Chicago, but he went out and had five hits on one shift, and he was just throwing his body all over the place, and nothing, nothing that whole night was getting the crowd out of their seats. The Canucks didn't show up whatsoever. He comes out. He was the spark plug. Um, you know, he could get you out of your seat, whether it be with a, a clutch goal, a huge hit, a big fight, uh, taking down the Giants, Hal Gill, Boris Volabic. Uh, yeah, I would love to see the late Rick Rippon get right back. Uh, gone way too soon. How many times did he just fight Giant? It was awesome. Yeah, he he was a he was a Giant killer. What was it? Samson and Goliath? Is it? He was the Samson. I don't know. You went to a Christian school or Catholic school <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I, I'm not religious. I don't know why I went there, but I, I like wearing the slacks. It was nice. Um, they look comfy. Well, not too bad. But uh, yeah, Rick Rippon, he could bring down anybody. What a warrior. I have a very specific one. I want to see one more game from Gerald Diddick. <laughs> I don't smoke, and I just got smoker's lungs somehow. How did that happen? Gerald Diddick. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I don't even know what Gerald Diddick's up to. We should drag yeah. him down. I just remember the one game. I, I think it was the 94 playoffs when he got hit into the open bench and he broke his leg. Oh, man. Yeah. If I could see Didick on the blue line again with Adrian Plavsic, that would make my day. Yeah, uh, Legit answer? <laughs> I... Well, that wasn't legit. No, nah, well, Gerald Didick. I was like five. Yeah, all right. Let's go with 
You know what? Actually, I because I never saw him play live, I was just a little bit too young, is I would love to see what Stan Smeal was like live. Yeah, that's a really good one. Right? The that's Steamer, a really good like, one. There's, always, there's this lore about him from people like in their like late 30s and their 40s. Yeah. And, yeah, I just never got to experience. So you can kind of track down some, like, grainy game footage. But I get the sense that he was, like, a diff- uh, low-key difference maker. A very, like, Trevor Linden-esque. They're kind of in that same category where they maybe weren't the best players out there, but they were going to be a difference every game. Yeah. For a franchise to retire your number before anyone else's, you had to stand out. And the steamer, man, he was a total fan favorite. So there you go. Gerald Diddick. Stan Smeal. There it is. That is my answer. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? All right, you got Green Man Radio on Sports Dead 650. Sully and Forsyth, Adam Forsyth, Ryan Sullivan. Hit us up at the Green Men, at Adam Forsyth, and at Sullivan Cooper on Twitter. Get your questions in. They are pouring in. Sully, what's the next question? Uh, at Yes Man, Yes Man. It's a sweet name. What was the weirdest experience you ever had in the green suits? Take it away. The weirdest experience. Yeah. Good question. I can I can start. I'll give you time okay, to think. Okay, sure. Um, because this this always brings up anytime anyone says weird with the green suits, even though it was all kind of weird. Um, we go to a game, and obviously we're head to toe in the green spandex, and there are pink girls at the game, and there are four girls. I don't know if it was a bachelorette or what was going on, but they're head to toe in pink spandex, and one of uh, the girls comes up to me and says, uh, "Hey, we you know we 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 should meet later and." Um, you know, we, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool. And, and I'm like, I'm, I look in the mirror and I see like, I'm full head to toe Spanish. She's full. Like, it's just the most, like the weirdest moment. It's very strange to like talk to somebody and have no idea what they look like. And especially when you're also dressed in Spanda, it was just kind of a, what do you call that? Uh, uh, cosplay kind of thing. It was just, yeah. You know what I mean? Isn't that what, <laughs> yeah, what the like word is? Furries? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> Where people like dress up weird and yeah, furries. Okay, let's let's move on. No, it was an awkward yeah. moment. All right. I do like how that the the tables were flipped on you, though. You're like, I don't like that. I don't know what this person looks like, and yeah. that was every single encounter anyone ever had with us. Yes, we made countless children cry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just by looking at us, they'd be bawling, like me with a Scotty Walker autograph. Ooh, weirdest experience I ever had in the green suits. Um, I mean, there's too many to count. There's a lot. There is a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of blanking because they're just like they're like all rattling through my head. Yeah, we we you know what? I'll, I'll we went to the uh, at 2011 Cup final game one. Uh, we're down at the arena really early, and a woman gets us to plank in a photo. You remember that? And I have never, I never planked before. And then she's like, I don't know what that is. Like, it was like big for like a summer. It was like kale. It was taken over. Kale. And um and yeah, it's the woman's like, okay. Take the photo. I'm going to plank. And then she just went between us and just, like, pretended she was dead on the ground. It's like, why would you want a photo of this? This makes no sense. It's hip. It's trending. She got yeah. a few likes on Instagram for it. Yeah. All right. I, I, there's, I'll think of way better ones down the road as soon as we finish taking, <laughs> taking myself. Ones, yeah. But here's the one I, I, that sticks to me is I, again, a little peek behind the curtain is that during the Green Man years, I would sky train in from Surrey, go with the green suit and a backpack, change at the Costco across the parking lot, ditch the backpack, and then go into the game. And then at the end of the night, take some photos, whatever, head home on the Sky Train again, green suit back in the backpack. And every single game, without fail, it was so cool. Real super, it felt like a superhero. Yeah. All these people would be discussing the green man antics, and I'd be sitting there in a Sky Train completely like, that's eh, just what it is. I, I, I can't help myself. Except for the one time I found the kid 
from Bad Santa. Get out of here. Yeah, the little the little chubster who's like 10 years old we filmed the movie. And oh, yeah. he's from the Lower Mainland, and he's on the SkyTrain, and I went over, and I was like, hey, man, just to let you know I'm a huge fan. He's wearing the Canuck jersey, so he was clearly at the game. And then we got started talking about the green man. I might have dropped a few hints or something. He's like, yeah, I love those guys. It's crazy. So all I did was open up my backpack and then just pull one arm of the green out. And he flipped out. And he's like, can I get a photo with you? So the bad <laughs> Santa kid asked me a photo on a SkyTrain. That's amazing. That's the weirdest experience I've ever had. <laughs> that is a weird one. Chalk that up. All right, this one's for you. So, yeah, again, tw- Twitter questions galore. They're, they're flying in right now. At the green man, if you want to get your question on air, we will do so. At St. Louis 1996 asks, Sully, I was at the game when you were on the kiss cam and made out with a woman. Please tell me that was your wife. That was my wife. That was my uh, eventual wife. Uh, so, yeah, it all, it all worked out very nicely. That was not, like, discussed pregame or anything. They just had the kiss cam going. They saw a lady sitting next to me. Um, and, yeah, that was great. That might have cemented it. That might have sealed the deal. Like, she was probably on the fence, and then I made my move in full spandex. She was fully committed. If she's going to a cutoff game <laughs> yeah. and you're in a green suit, she's in. Yeah, you might be right. She's she's a bit of a gem. She's pretty awesome. I like her. Keep do, her around for a while. Do you remember what happened to me that on the kiss cam? You, yeah, you had, like, a random lady beside you. Again, I never want to make light of, like, the this whole Me Too situation movement, but if this were to happen in today, yeah. like, I would have been Me too so badly. If you're prefacing Me Too before you give the answer. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, at the time, it's, it would fly. I don't think it would fly today, but what happened was, yes, the kiss cam was on you yeah. and your lovely wife, and you guys went for it. Then I was just kind of standing there third wheel, and I'm like, well, this is very uncomfortable. So I looked to my left, and there was an... Older woman there, very pleasant. We'd been chatting throughout the game, and she was sitting there with her husband. These two had to be, like, late 50s. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Screw it. So <laughs> I went in, and I went for the kiss. Yeah. And she was shocked, but she loved it. Her husband, not so much. She kissed back. There was a little... Mm, yeah. Some tension there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sparks flew, motions oh, ran high. Donna and Rob definitely had a disagreement in the car ride home that night. <laughs> <laughs> they were not happy. <laughs> Classic Donna and Rob. Yeah. Classic DNR. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, how much time we got? We got time for a few more here? Yeah, let's get a few more in. Okay. Uh, here we go. At Canucks Rock 17, most memorable road game. The easy, there, were, there were a few. Was, the easy answer is, of course, going to Nashville or going to Boston. So we'll get a little bit more obscure for this one. I really liked when we went down to Arizona. It was just a, yeah. a middle of the regular season, and we got hooked up with the seats right beside the penalty box. And it was just a blast. The Whitecaps, the Vancouver Whitecaps are down there during the training camp. So they were all at the game. We got to hang out with them. It was the Canucks siblings trip. So they were all down there. So we were taking photos with a bunch of them. And then the, the game was kind of a bust because there was like no penalties. And like Michael Rosenthal was beside the box. And the one That was the one penalty. Yeah, yeah. So we got no TV time, no love. But all the fans, because they're all Canuck fans down there, tons of photos. And it was Cody Hodgson's first NHL goal. He scores it. And then the PA guy in Arizona is in the penalty box area. He's not up top like mm-hmm. they here at Vancouver. We leaned in and started screaming, it's his first NHL goal. It's his first NHL goal. The guy takes a beat, pauses, looks over at us, and Cody Hodgson's first NHL goal. No fact-checking nope. whatsoever. We could have said whatever we wanted. Just in that trust situation. these green idiots over yeah. here. But yeah. it was awesome. And then the guy at the very end of the game, too, gave us a game puck. That was that was awesome. Yeah, no, that, that, was, a great, uh, that was a great memory. And uh, Aaron Volpatti's sister. 
sparks flew, emotions ran high. What could have been? Um, nice lady, but uh, <laughs> I met her at the game. That's where that's where it ended. But um, yeah, and then uh, what, what was the other moment I was going to jump on there? White caps, that was cool. Uh, met those guys, and then uh, oh, I I brought a Winnipeg Jets jersey, and I was because we always try to stick it, you know, to the opposing team. So I was like, I'm going to wear this Jets jersey, and then the fans are going to get on me about it. And I wore this thing, and nobody knew what it was. Nobody had ever seen it before, and I was walking out, and uh, I guess a guy that lived in Phoenix was like, hey, it's a nice jersey. What, what kind of jersey is that? It's like, this is the team that you were watching. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. But no, that, that was a great one. A passionate uh, fan base. Yeah, put Nashville up there. Uh, Boston had its hidden gems here and there. Love getting kicked and burgers thrown at me, but... Uh, yeah, no, Arizona was a great time. Some great Twitter questions flying in. Thank you so much for all of them, but we are up against the clock. We kind of got to get out of here. Another jam-packed episode of Green Man Radio, episode number two nearly in the books. We cannot thank Alex Ald. What a legend, right, Ryan? Absolutely, unbelievable. And then Scott Walker. I mean, you're still buzzing. You got the, like, the goosebumps. Yeah. And- well, you can catch Alex Ald on the, uh, the Canucks pod. Uh, the podcast rolling right now. He pops onto the airwaves every now and then. Him and Satyar Shaw once a week on Sportsnet 650. Yep. Yeah, uh, absolute gem. No stranger to the airwaves here. Uh, Scotty Walker. I don't think anybody in Vancouver has heard that name in years. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was so excited. That That's a highlight for me right there. I love it. He was so complimentary towards all the Canuck players too. Uh, and I like that he tried to get a little spark with the green man. That's antagonized. He's like, you know what? Go Canucks, go. Except when you're playing Arizona. Yeah, exactly. I respect that. We are off for the next couple of weeks because of our Canuck games on Wednesdays when you would regularly be in here. Uh, but don't worry. We will be back with our next episode of Green Man Radio. It is December 11th. So we might have to do a bit of a, like, a little Christmas theme. We have some Ooh. great guests uh, potentially lined up for that one. Yeah, yeah. Don't let the cat out of the bag here. I almost did. Yeah, yeah we got some gems. Uh, if you it's wanna... Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> if you want to follow along, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to pop them up on Twitter uh, throughout as they... As more info comes in, as we secure these guests, they're going to be legendary again. Uh, you can follow us at The Green Men on Twitter, at Adam Forsythe, at Sulla Vancouver. And check us out on Facebook. Tons of info there, too. And tons of cool clips we're putting up during these interviews and stuff we got uh, with the show here. Find us at Facebook.com slash The Green Men 2. It's been a blast. Ryan, thanks for joining me. As always, for Adam Forsythe and Ryan Sullivan, Green Man Radio is in the books on Sportsnet 650.